Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. So when I went on that tour, it was sort of me experimenting more with why I do music. And it was very clear afterwards that I do it to connect with people as much as it makes me feel good. It feels way better, actually, when whether it's five people in a cafe or like an awesome room like you guys. It's, uh, it's just really an amazing feeling to like share these things that are important to you and have someone tell you that it's been important to them in a different way, that it's helped them through something or... And I had a lot of those kind of messages when I, on social media, which has been a big part of my journey actually, shared that I was like defeated. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And all these people were so nice, these strangers. And I'm a, a nobody, you know? And they took the time to be like, my, I, my dad loved your song and he passed away. And we played it at like the funeral. I was like, oh my God, music is important to people. And what we do is important. And there will always be a place for it, whether it's DJs or digital or not. So. I feel like that's just the calling and that's where it ends because otherwise it gets confusing. Welcome to the Travis Book Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Travis Book. This episode is brought to you by Thompson Guitars, makers of fine instruments, handmade with love in Sisters, Oregon. The podcast is presented by Americana Vibes and the Bluegrass Situation, and our show is part of the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can dive into all things Roots music anytime at thebluegrasssituation.com. I've been searching for the right guests for the happy hour when a couple Instagram posts caught my eye. Two former guests had posted video of Christina Vane playing the Station Inn in Nashville. I was struck by her distinct presence, slide blues style, and unique voice. Once I dug in, I was also intrigued by her history and the path that had brought her to Americana music. I was relieved when she accepted my invite and it took us no time at all to fall into an easy rapport. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. This podcast is an edited distillation of the full-length happy hour, which aired live on July 28th of 2021. From the Gray Eagle in Asheville, the Pearl of Carolina, it's the Travis Book Happy Hour. With special guest Christina Vane and the Happy Hour House Band featuring the venerable Mike Ashworth. And now, your host, Travis Book. Thanks, Bill, and thank you, everybody. Welcome 
to the happy hour tonight. I'm excited about the show. Uh, we were just here a couple weeks ago um, packing in some summer sessions, and I hope, hope you all are uh, enjoying your summer, feeling good about things. Someone's waving to me from the back of the room. What's up? <laughs> Thanks for coming. I was gonna play a, I was gonna play a song. Um, I was gonna play a song, but then I forgot my, uh, I forgot my capo. So now I have to think of something else to do. And I don't know what it's gonna be. Uh, oh, you know what I'll do. It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. Makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your car. It's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words of bonds, the ink stains that have dried upon some blood. back road by the rivers of my memory keeps you ever gentle on my mind it's not clinging to the rocks and ivy planted on their columns now that binds me something that somebody said because they thought we fit together along the railroad track and find that you even from the back road by the rivers of my memory ever smiling ever gentle on my mind though the wheat fields clotheslines highways and the junkyards lie between us Some other woman crying to her mother Cause she turned and I was gone I steal my running silence Tears of joy might stain my face Summer sun might burn me till I'm blind Not to where I cannot see you Waving on the back road by the river Flowing gentle on my mind Did my cup of soup back from a crackling urban cauldron in some train yard. My beard a rough and coal pile and a dirty hat pulled low across my face. Through cupped hands round a tin can, I pretend to hold you to my breast and find. That you're waving from the back row and by the rivers of my memory, ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind. On my mind, yeah. Gentle on my Thanks, man. Thanks, Baldy. 
When all else fails, just play John Hartford, right? I know you can relate, Mike. I can. You named your son Hartford, did you not? One of them. <laughs> One of the many kids that I have. <laughs> the most recent. The most recent the one. The most is, recent Ashworth. He's called Hartford. Yeah, it's not bad to name your kid after a uh, storytelling Mississippi River steamboat pilot. Yeah, when you can, you can't really hold him accountable if he turns into a wild man. He's got to leave his sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind the couch. Exactly. Exactly. Mike, how, how you been doing, man? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Me too. First time in a long time, you know? Things are lifting. It's feeling good. Yeah. We're starting to open up, playing live music again. It's good. A lot of live music. A lot I of live music. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. There's so much to be thankful for and still so much to complain about. I know because I have a news feed. Y'all ever check out Google News Feed? No? Don't do it. Block the news. Well, <laughs> someone said block it. Yeah, yeah. Block all of it. Yeah, I'm kind of conflicted about all this. I mean, right now we're broadcasting live on Facebook, but don't even get me started about how conflicted I am about Facebook, you know? But here we are. I think so, your stream just went down. Thanks for tuning in on Facebook. Yeah. They just canceled you. No, no, no. Zucker Zuckerberg wants in on this. He wants in on this. Zuck. So, My buddy Zuck. So I just got off of uh, I just got off of a week of touring with the String Dusters, and, and I was out in Colorado, and I was out in California, and Portland, and um, and people are psyched all over. You know, it's not just um, it's not just here in North Carolina. People are thrilled to be getting out, and I know um, you know for most of us things are getting better. But I know for some I know it's still hard for some of you because I had a hard time this week. In fact, I almost had a panic attack earlier today. I don't really, I was like, I spent like the last 12 hours like in the midst of like a pseudo anxiety attack and I was like, huh, this is what this feels like. Like, I know people who are dealing with this all the time. This must be absolutely insufferable. And so you have my, you have my utmost empathy, all of you who are out there dealing with anxiety. Good Lord. Um, but you know, uh, but it'll pass and it'll be fine. I'm already feeling better. Um, I don't know what your methods are, but I'm finding my methods. And one of the things I can do is I can sing about it. So This song's a reminder for myself.
I became aware of Christina Vane by way of Mimi Naja and Kyle Tuttle's Instagram page. Now, Mimi and Kyle are both good friends of mine. They were both on the show um, in the midst of the pandemic. Mimi was one of my first guests. I mean, she's my fourth or fifth. And Kyle was here in January. And I was watching, they both posted stories of Christina and her band at the Station Inn. And I was watching this stuff and I, was, I couldn't believe it. I immediately recognized a unique musical voice and a presence that I thought would work here on the show. And I also just wanted to play music with her. Uh, little did I know how interesting and musical she is. She's a student of musical history, a composer, and a performer and singer of the highest order. Please make welcome to the show, Christina Vane. Christina, how's it going? So good. Good, 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 good. I knew it. I, uh, I'm having the best couple days. You guys have shown me a very warm welcome. Between Brevard and Asheville, it's just like, That's how we, we do were it. talking at the merch table, just, is everybody here this nice? Like, does it ever get boring? Do you guys want to be mean to each other? Like, what's going on? She's like, no, everyone here is just this nice. I was like, oh, I've got to come back here more often. It's pretty sweet here. Um, it's, the, it's sort of the intersection of all the best qualities of the North and the South and the East and the West, right here in Western North Carolina. That's right. I just made that up, uh, but I'm going to trademark that. I'm going to remember that, because it obviously worked on you all. Um, <laughs> Christine, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time, um, you know, with like the standard, like, you know, you know the standard. The standard. The standard yeah. crap. The standard. But, but it's important that we get a little context. So you grew up in England, France, and Italy. Mm -hmm. And then you arrived in the States at 18. Mm -hmm. You were going to college. I was. What did you think when you got here? Oh, you know, I've been here before, so I don't want to like pretend I was like all, oh my God, but it was definitely a culture shock uh, getting here, and I don't know, I, 
I obviously chose to stay is all I'm going to say, but there were yeah. a few bumps in the road and yeah. I've, I've been to, a f you know, California after I graduated and then I came to Nashville and so discovering the United States has actually been a really important part of like my life and a huge chapter in my musical life and the last album I just put out is me doing that by way of touring and sort of traveling for five months and living out of my car and going to all the parks and seeing all the in-between places, which I finally got to do. And I like it here, so uh, yeah. you know, I love where I grew up and I miss Europe sometimes, but totally. the, the music and the culture and the people in the States are awesome, so I'm here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, if nothing else. You know, like, you gotta say that for the States. We like to keep <laughs> it interesting over here. Um, you. You got into you got into pre-war blues after college. You actually discovered it. I read that you discovered it back in England. Yeah. Right, when you were visiting, um, but you you, so you got into it. Like, what what was it about that music that captured you? What was it about old blues? Well, I guess the specific is that I got into slide playing uh, after seeing someone in England. But the pre-war stuff, I, I got into Skip James pretty hard after I got hip to a woman called Rory Block, who is an amazing guitar player. Yeah, okay, cool. Oh my gosh, I love this crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah normally there's one. like a, a little bit of a huh when people hear that name, and she's so, so awesome. She deserves all the praise in the world, but she did a, a tribute to Skip James' record. She's done a Mississippi John Hurt. She's a true, I mean, talk about a student of, of the blues and music. Yeah. So I was inspired by that to dig deeper into Skip James, and then I got into Blind Willie Johnson, and I just... Whenever people ask this question, I just answer in what seems like a really stupid, snarky way, but it's like, why do you like the color blue? Totally. I, I totally. love the color blue, but I couldn't tell you why, you know? And with the, yeah. the slide stuff, I could be like, well, the pentatonic scale really gets me, but I like major country blues. I like all kinds of flavors of it. I just, as soon as I heard the slide, I was like, I need to do that. And I didn't even know about the blues yet. So I feel like that's the testament to whatever sound it makes that drew me in. And then the blues stuff was just so, just comes from another world when you don't grow up hearing anything like that. So then bluegrass followed and it was a similar fascination in old time too, where I was like, people have just been enjoying this this whole time and I didn't know, what? So, you know, it's, and it's been a really warm welcome into all of those scenes, you know, and everyone's so cool that I've just, I've loved getting to know all the folk music kind of aficionados around because we all have this similar disease of like, oh, oh yeah. who wrote that tune? When did, when did they write it? What, what record was it on? You know? Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's definitely like a, co a common affliction with a lot of people that are really, that, are, that end up in our scene is we're just, we're just, like, we just, we're just in it and we love it. And, and you know, I ask you like, you're like, well, yeah, I don't know, why do you, why, like, why do you like the color blue? And I, I like to say it, there's no accounting for taste. And it's such an interesting thing about people is like, why, yeah, why, why are we into things? I don't know. Yeah, just, I just, it just like feels right. You know, you right. just hear it and, it and it resonates. When you know, you know. When you know, you know. So out of college, you go to LA. Yeah. <laughs> why, why'd you go to LA? Uh, well, you know, I wanted, uh, my brother was living out there. It's sunny. And All the time. There's good food and... I don't know. I, um, I didn't want to go to New York was really actually the bigger factor. And I had only ever really lived in big cities and was comfortable in a metropolis and was like, where do I go pursue music? Uh, somewhere with an industry. Right. Like, do I choose New York or LA? And for me being like a little bit more space, a little bit more sun seemed 
better and a lot less of my peers from college was really the main thing. Sure. <laughs> I like, yeah. I was like, I can't do round two. I'm, I need to go to a new place. Right. Second so, round of college, you don't want to do that. No. Yeah. So I went to LA and um, started, you know, actively trying to pursue music, which really meant like working four jobs at a time and frying donuts and working at vintage shops <laughs> and stuff like that. But I, uh, you know, yeah, I started. I got a, like a band together and just went from there and started gigging and doing the whole thing. Very more. cool. I wonder if it's it just dawned on me, you know, not having um, not having any specific ties to any city or any region, you know, not growing up here, there, it, you know, you're you're either like, like no matter what, you're sort of you're you're you live like you live your life in the states in context of sort of where you came from. But if you didn't come from here, it's kind of like it's like you're plopped down in the middle of it, and there's not, you know, it's like like you you have this like what am I trying to say? It's like very unique ability to sort of be like free of any sort of um, like history or baggage or cultural ties where you're like being pulled back to your hometown kind of thing or trying to escape it. You're able to just be like, look at, look at the map and look at the country and just decide where you want to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other side of that is like this crazy identity crisis because you don't have a hometown and everyone else is like, oh, I get to go back to my friends where I grew up. And I'm like, what friends? Like, I don't, you know, I moved around four times by the time I was like 12 or, or 13 or something. So, and those were country moves. Like it wasn't like down the street. So, right. and when I came here, I just found that it was just hilarious to me that no matter where I went, people were like, mostly really cool, right? Everywhere. But then there's always this segment anywhere you go that are like, well, I was born here and everyone in my family's from here and you're not from here. And I'm like, it, it was in Venice. It happens in Nashville. Like, and I love that people are proud of where they're from, but when I'm not from a place, you can't, you can't put that on me. Like, I don't have somewhere to claim, you know what I mean? And they're just like, locals only, and I'm like, well, where am I supposed to go? <laughs> like, where I was born, where I have no connection to anymore and never lived in when I was older, like, where I went to school because those were formative years, or LA because that's where my, you know, it just becomes, I'm like a person of, of the world, and I, uh, I like it all, to be honest, most, most all. I haven't found much I don't like. Yeah, I think people, um, I think maybe the, the larger your world is, the less likely you are to say things like that. Yeah, maybe. You know, I mean, I think, and, and certainly, all you have to do is transplant yourself somewhere for a little bit, and you'll realize that that kind of mentality is not cool. Yeah, and I mean, there are people, like, I remember running into a guy in, in the Smoky Mountains who him and his wife, had, they said they'd never been more than, like, 60 miles from that area. And you could hear it, first of all. Like, I speak some languages and do accents and the whole thing. I could, I had some trouble with this man. And he, he saw my banjo on the picnic camping table and came right over and was like, actually, it might have been your banjo player. Some banjo player was also at that campsite from a famous band that I didn't know about at the time. And he was like, wow. Yeah, it was in a Chattahoochee. You might have to ask him. I don't know. Maybe okay. it was someone else. But he was like, oh, you know, this guy's down there with his family playing banjo. I play banjo. And I was like, how is this possible? There's three banjo players in this tiny campsite in the Smokies. Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, so, that's, you know. That's funny. And he wasn't like that at all. He was curious and, and nice and welcoming and wasn't like, get out of my... He was like, I come here to hang out because I meet new people. He, like, lived at the campsite. It was really cool. That's amazing. That, 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 that makes me want to ask you about... Um, the, about the, like, 
I guess I'm just going to ask you to agree with me. Isn't 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 music an amazing vehicle for meeting people that you otherwise would have so little in common with? No. Just kidding. <laughs> but it's right. Yeah, it's it, true. Yes. It, yes. I, right? Well, yes. It's it's a little bit like um like 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 you'll experience when you come back next time and drive my truck around. Like it's amazing what kind of people are drawn to you because of the truck. Same thing. Like you you walk around with a banjo and all. Maybe not all kinds of people, like banjo people, but you're going to meet a lot of interesting banjo people. You know yeah, what I mean? No, absolutely. I don't think he, you know, he would have maybe not come over if I was just sitting there. Well, and that's what really got me into like bluegrass and roots and folk music, and also what really kind of attracted me to the South was that I could share space with people that I didn't necessarily have a lot in common with, and it was mm -hmm. really interesting. Yeah. It was like way cooler than hanging out with just like a bunch of other like middle-aged white guys from Colorado, you know, which I've done tons of and I will do tons of. Um, I was just wondering if that, I mean, <laughs> agree with me, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, definitely, of course. Yeah. I, half the people I'm surrounded with, I mean, especially because I'm not from here, the, the greats, um, most of them are rooted in the tradition, which necessarily means they're from here, you know, and that's already a really different starting point for me and we, I love my bluegrass friends, my old time friends. We we don't mind, you know what I mean? I, I know exactly what it's you mean. It's a beautiful world when you're playing when you're playing a tune. So. so you needed to shake you needed to shake LA, so you got on the road for like five months, traveled by yourself. Um that must have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you learn you're gonna learn a lot about the country. Yeah. Um solo with a banjo on your back, you know, a slide guitar in your in your trunk, uh, <laughs> cruising around the country. Yeah, and a tent. I, I was in a tent the whole time. <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, what did, you, what did you find? Was well, there here in, out there? in Asheville, I found Rosetta's Kitchen. And that's, uh, I didn't know any, like, I played my little show, and I was just, like, in the parking lot and just, like, hanging out. And I went and got delicious food, and I was like, I love Asheville. I haven't talked to a single person besides the show people, and I'm, like, loving it here. The vibe was already just so good. And then, I got hooked up with these awesome musicians that put me up in a house with them, and I don't know, it was just great, man. And yeah, the, the, the whole tour was like that, and seeing the, like the Midwest was particularly interesting as someone who has never been there, had a concept of that culture and the Scandinavian descent and all that stuff is crazy. So different from Montana and all these things that I had never gotten to see, so. It fully changed my life, actually, not to be melodramatic. But <laughs> that's, that's awesome, and I mean, the reason I'm asking you about it, like, it's, it seems, it sort of seems so obvious, like, yes, people all over this country are different, right? But I think for those of us who are living here, unless you're, like, really beating the bushes, meeting new people in different areas all the time, or unless you're someone who is coming in with, like, this unique perspective of not being in and amongst it with your preconceptions about what Texans are like or whatever, you have this just, again, like an amazing opportunity. They drive to, fast. Yeah, totally. Texans drive fast. And in large cars. You have this opportunity to really like meet everybody on their own terms and to see how genuinely different we all are. It, it blows my mind sometimes that we are able to maintain um, a United <laughs> State of America because yeah. uh, you know the needs and the desires and the ideals of the people in different parts of this country are really different. I mean, yeah, to, to kind of sum that all up, honestly, like, coming from California and having grown up in basically like socialist, pretty liberal stuff my whole life and then going to mostly blue places and going to stay with friends or meet new people in all the other in between that exists was so important. And I just realized how silly it is that like on both ends of the spectrum you have these really insular like 
it's just as bad in California as, as they would argue it is in Alabama or whatever the stereotype is for them. And then same thing down here where they're like, oh, Californians. And I'm like, there's just, when you don't know how the other person lives, how are you supposed to understand why they need what they need, like you're saying? And when I went and got to see what like a rancher might need from legislation, I'm like, yeah, that's really different from a city dweller in Los Angeles. Like, maybe you do need, you know, a gun, which makes a lot more sense to me coming from Europe where we don't have any. I was like, <laughs> you know, and then I got to shoot one with him and he showed me gun safety and it was like, okay, like, you know, I'm here and this is how it works here and there's a middle ground where it's, you know, you can understand. You don't have to agree, you don't have to, I don't have to have an opinion about it, but like, either way, at least I got to see why it's important to that person and why they believe that and not just argue about it on some forum that like is fake, essentially, so. Amen. Travel. Traveling, traveling is good. Travel is good, yeah. <laughs> we'll play a, so a song about that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just a couple more questions and then we'll get to playing some music. What, yeah. During that time, you kind of got, you, you started to get into some bluegrass and old time and, and, and country music. And then, and then also, you know, you, you were talking about this, like you got into the South. And, <laughs> and now you live in Nashville. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you're like, you're a homeowner. You're like, you're in. You're, um, you're like a Southerner. I mean, I want to be there. Yeah, I, I want to purposefully be there and uh, when I first came to Nashville it was almost like hey if it's if it's too different from what I know or not my vibe you know I might just have to stick it out to I looked at it like going to college like you don't really choose where your campus is I mean you can but if, if you want to go somewhere you go because it's offering you certain things and yeah. I'm so glad I did you know what a magical not only musical scene but like I love Tennessee now I was telling I think you or the radio people and I was driving out of Tennessee to come here, I remembered how differently I felt three years ago when I would look at that landscape and be like, Ugh, it's a wet buggy here, it's so hot, and the chiggers, and oh my God, so negative. And then this last time I was like, Tennessee's so beautiful. I'm so lucky to live here. And I look at the rolling hills and the fog, and I just, you know, it's an, it's an adjustment of attitude, I guess, more than anything. But I think the, the riches I've, I've gained from this place deserve my respect back to it, you know, so whatever I can do to, to like show that, I, I try to, because it's, it's, it's spawned everything I care about in music, pretty much, most of it. Amazing. Yeah. Well, will you honor the music and play us? <laughs> yeah, play us that, a little no, banjo? Now I have to play some banjo. Yeah, now you gotta play some banjo. <laughs> Story. 
Christina, I'm so glad you're here. It's so much fun playing music with you. I'm so glad to be here. And there's like this big part of me that's really sad that like in about an hour we're going to be done. I know. And I don't know when we're going to get to play together again. I know. I'm not going to dwell on that though. No, right? We, we've talked about living in the moment. Hard to do, but when good things are happening, you don't know if they're going to happen again. So you just got to let them be good, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, just let them be good. So that first tune you played, uh, Prayer for the Blind. Yes. You and I were chatting about this a little bit this morning, um, and you were telling me a little bit about where it came from. Will you tell me, will you, will you tell me again about that? Yeah. <laughs> In front of other people? Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of alluded to it a little bit already. Uh, this couple, I was camping, and they, they saw that I was like 
alone, and they were like, oh, what are you doing down here by yourself? We have a daughter your age. And I was like, oh, well, I'm traveling by myself. And, and yeah, she told me the story as we got into the evening about her mother who suffers from dementia. And I didn't know that because when she was telling the story, she was laughing so hard she had tears in her eyes. And it was about how her mother uh, accuses uh, her husband of going out dancing with a peg-legged woman which is not true, obviously. That's the dementia talking. But, you know, it was this really interesting moment where you had to watch someone sort of not laugh to keep from crying, but almost, right? Because that's a heavy thing, I'm sure, to watch a parent go through. And I just got to thinking about all that stuff and mothers in general and how important they can be and how, you know, some of us are really fortunate to have, like, really great mothers, but they're also limited people in their own way, and they had mothers of their own with flaws. So turned into this sort of really crazy deep thing from an anecdotal thing that I was like, when I first heard it, I was like, two peg legs, they go dancing. I need to write a song about this. And uh, I asked permission and she said, yeah, so I wrote the song. It ended up not being about the peg legs though. Well, it's in there. Old ma, wooden legs, but you know that she can dance. Right. I know they'll wring her neck if they catch her here again, because that's what this, her mother would say, I'm gonna wring her neck. And I was like, that's a great story. I mean, I can see why she was laughing, you know? That's great, and what and, and the, the when I heard that when I listened to that song, the chorus. Um, will you tell me? Will you tell me what the lyrics are on the chorus again? Pray for your mothers, all that they do. The blind lead the blind. That is how I'll follow you. Time passes on old wounds as if they were brand new, made in your image with all the bad things. Bar parts too. Yeah, that third line. Um, Time passes on all wounds as if they were brand new. Old ones. Old ones. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that's right. That's crucial that's, difference. That's and that's an important part of it. It's um, it's this thing that I'm sort of fascinated with that I think could maybe help us, um, maybe sort of help us with with the compassion that we're lacking, um, in in regards to a lot of these social issues. Is the idea that um, you know, and, and it could help us when we're trying to sort of understand how, how things like, um, how these sort of uh, semi-controversial things like uh, critical race theory or, or the feminist movement, how these things, um, you know, the Me Too, which we don't hear as much about now, but like a year and a half ago was a really big thing. If, I, wonder, I wonder if like the idea of gener generational suffering, and generational suffering, for those of you who don't know, is the idea that, that we carry these things on much, much longer than, than we realize, like there's this um, study, uh, they did a study on mice where they would like, they would like shock them when they went to the certain part of this room. And they took the mice out, bred them for 10 generations, and they took the 10th generation and put them back in the same maze. And the 10th generation was still scared to go in that part of the maze, right? Which makes us wonder like, what happened to my great, 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 great grandfather that I'm still, how much of that is residual? And how much of that stuff is passed down um, we all like to think that we're all coming at this clean and pure from our own thing, but the older we get, the more we realize we're like our parents, um, much to our, our amusement, maybe, or horror. Yeah, your mom's um, right there, watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually pretty, I'm fine with being like my parents, but um, was that, was that were, you, were, you, were you thinking about that at all? Is that of any interest to you? Well, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting, but I, I will say that, I was thinking more, because it's the same concept, but a little different, is how you inherit the limitations and, and some of the bad behavior from the people you love too, right? Because we're all, if we become parents, which I'm not, but like all the things that I'm trying to better in myself, I'm sure will come out when that kid's being a little, you know what, or something, right? Like, so yeah. 
those moments, because even just having a cat, I see things in myself where I'm like, you need to, you can't control this cat. This cat is its own person, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh my God, if I ever had a kid, it would just be like, no, no harm can come to this thing. And, uh, and I just feel you like, you know, some quick. people have better role models than others, but either way, even the best ones, I'm sure, have moments where they are short with someone or they have a bad coping mechanism or something that they might have inherited from their own parents. So it is generational, but it's not generational trauma in the same way, right. which I, do, I, I know is real. I mean, yeah. it's, that's a real thing. But, yeah, it's, it's more like we're all doing our best, you know, and motherhood specifically is such a, a heavy and important thing fatherhood too but like you know that 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 interesting it's just fascinating to me and I'm very close to my mom and hearing Carrie talk about hers it was just yeah it was a whole study of and I think you know the world's a violent place but it's especially historically violent for women you know and people of color unfortunately and like as being a woman I, I think about that you know what did my grandmother and, and her grandmother and all those people endure in times before we were maybe fully seen as equals you know um, and that's not to get too heavy or anything, but that's about that's about my song. <laughs> ah, perfect. <laughs> why do you? Uh, why? I get maybe this is part of the same conversation. Why do you like? Why do you make? Why do you make music? Mm -hmm. And like, and like, what is what is your mission? Like, what is kind of what is the point for you? Well, that's a that is a really great question, and that's a hard one to answer. I um, had a really really basic decision making process when I decided to pursue music professionally. I was like. Like I have a college degree, I could probably do other things, but I've always played music, and it makes me feel really good. Now I know that's like a very basic and very selfish thing, and people expect some lofty, like, I want to change the world. And I was just in the moment, I was like, what can I see myself doing for a long ass time that won't <laughs> make me want to, like, you know? And it was music. It was just always has been music. Whenever I sit down with a guitar or anything, when I'm writing or just playing for, I would play for my friends in my dorm room all the time. I was playing like Bonnie Vare and Elliot Smith for these like drunk college kids. <laughs> and we had so much fun, you know? And like, um, yeah, so when, yeah, that's, I just decided that was important to me. And then I kind of learned the hard way right before that tour. I hit a wall pretty bad and I just had the wrong priorities and I was focused really hard on my career and getting a manager and doing these things that weren't, they were frustrating me because you can't force that to happen. So when I went on that tour, it was sort of me experimenting more with why I do music. And it was very clear afterwards that I do it to connect with people as much as it makes me feel good. It feels way better actually when, whether it's five people in a cafe or like an awesome room like you guys, it's, uh, it's just really an amazing feeling to like share these things that are important to you and have someone tell you that it's been important to them in a different way, that it's helped them through something or, and I had a lot of those kind of messages when I, on social media, which has been a big part of my journey actually, shared that I was like defeated. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing and all these people were so nice, these strangers and I'm a, a nobody, you know? And they took the time to be like, my, I, my dad loved your song and he passed away and we played it at like the funeral. I was like, oh my God. Music is important to people, and what yeah. we do is important, and there will always be a place for it, whether it's DJs or digital or not, so I feel like that's just the calling, and that's where it ends, because otherwise it gets confusing. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, all the other stuff starts to be like ego and psychology, it's just like, it just feels like my heart is full when, when I'm here. That's the, that's, that's the answer right there, that's the, best, that's the best answer I think I've had to that question. I'm the best It just feels like my heart is full when I'm here. <laughs> That's great. Um, Thank you. Yeah.
I hope yeah. your hearts are full too. When you um when you arrived at my place the other day, we hadn't really met. We talked on the phone a little bit, and it took us about like we were like like five minutes at the table, and we were like already like diving into the deep end, talking <laughs> about this sort of like you know True. these matters of being and these existential questions. Do you spend a lot of time contemplating your place in all of it? <laughs> I was just thinking to myself today. I was like, I think the takeaway for Travis this weekend is like that girl needs a therapist. <laughs> She talks to me no, we way did, too much. We did. Week. We had a nice therapy session last night. Actually, I thought it went well. But do you, like, totally do, weird. Like, just it's just funny talking about meditation. No, I just I'm like I mean I'm like I'm a very forward and open book kind of person. So oh, book. So um, so uh, you know it just when when someone's a willing and pr participant in that conversation and, and it's good conversation, it, it's just going to happen. But I was thinking also about like. How, how immediately we started singing some of the, the Tony Rice and Skaggs tune, and it was like the same feeling. I was like, my heart is full. Music is so cool. Yeah. You know, like, we're, like harmonies and, and two people that never meet can speak this language briefly together, you know, with nothing in common, which is super cool. Yeah, that was a really that was a really nice moment. We just started the first thing we, did, we didn't play instruments or anything. We just picked a key and started singing that song. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, just okay. We're I wouldn't call this the lightning round, but I just have like a couple more questions. Um, what's something that you learned from your mother? Oh. Um. God, oh my God, that's such a hard question. I feel like I should choose something really like deep and impactful. And you know, you don't like, have to. How to shave the back of my knees? You know. That's such a valuable skill. Do you know how to do that? It's pretty hard. You know, yeah. it's funny you should ask. So, exactly. So I do. <laughs> I do. I shaved my legs for four years in high school. Swimmer? Because, no, I was a cyclist, which is an even worse excuse. Because uh, no cyclist really needs to shave his legs, but I was convinced I needed to. I was all in. Let me be clear. So, yeah, I can shave the shit out of the back of my knee. No person should feel like they need to shave their legs. But if you do, you know the back of your legs is a hard spot. Uh, yeah, but mom, but, I'm so sorry. There's a better one. Let's see. But like after you shave your legs and you crawl into bed and you rub them together like a cricket, I mean that is like one of the best feelings, ever. <laughs> I feel like I went I too know, far. Now I know he knows for sure. I now went, I, I know went, he's not lying. I'm not making this up. Because that's true. Um, I think you know. I don't know if this counts. No, this doesn't count. All I just, my mom taught me from a young age. Um that manners are really important. And I know that sounds so random and like a thing that's not of interest, but it, as annoying as it was at the time, I'm really glad now because it makes it easier to be pleasant with people and have them feel like, you know, like you are a pleasant, I don't know how to explain it. It's helped my life in a lot of ways. Little things are just like, when I'm really feeling formal or like, you know, whatever, I'll be like, oh, the gentleman over there said, you know, this. And one time a guy was like, what gentleman? <laughs> I was like, oh, my bad. I'm just being polite. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just well trained. I'm but sorry. I, I kind of like erring on the side of, you know, and she taught me actually really most importantly of all how to be a, a good guest. I hope you'll, you'll have to confirm that. Uh, but we, we can we can compare notes later. <laughs> yeah, I hope she did. Sorry if I failed you, mom. But, you know, just basic things. And like you, you I didn't do this, actually. <laughs> I didn't bring a gift. But you're supposed to like bring a gift when you get to your host place. You didn't bring things. a gift. But you all brought, right, I'm going to get brought one. Yourself. I'm sorry. You brought your own, you brought your own self. I am and the that's gift. that's all we needed. <laughs> I'll tell you, my kids were super psyched that you were there. I got a night. gift from Rye. I got a little blue feather. He and did. I he brought like, you a little blue feather. I love that thing. He knew it was Great. your favorite color. He did. What, do you have a, do you have a, do you have any, uh, do you have a memory of your grandmother? Yeah, I have one living, so uh, her memory is still 
alive. Right. And uh, I have one past to my mother's mother, and she I have less memories with because um, she's Guatemala. My mother's Guatemalan, so she lived in Guatemala her whole life, and we didn't live there, so we wouldn't see her occasionally. And then in her very late age, she came to Italy to live with us before she passed. And when I was, um, I was only 12 or 13, and like we weren't speaking Spanish in my house anymore. We only did when we were really young, and we just felt so foreign to each other. And it's like honestly, I'm, I'm not gonna cry. But she, I found out later, she told my mom like, how can I bond with her? Like, I want to do something, you know. And my mom was like, jewelry. I don't know. Like, and she brought that down this little bag of like her jewelry and we compared and she let me take stuff that I thought was pretty and I still have like you know some of those rings so that's the the memory I like to think of for for my nonna is what we called her that's beautiful yeah it makes me a little emotional when I think about that because sometimes it's just the things unsaid I and mean, how could I have known I was a kid but like you're just like oh man I connect with you now yeah, <laughs> I'm like, sorry yeah you're like, can I try again <laughs> yeah so anyway uh, what color real quick what color is your front door White. Nice. Um, I haven't heard that one before. And uh, what do you hope for? What color is everybody else's front door? I don't know. What color is everybody's front door? A lot of blue, red, and white. That's America, baby. Look, I don't want to make anyone feel badly about their choices. The one color door I do not like is a yellow front door with a blue house. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's such a strong look, though. I know. Hey, there's I no accounting for taste. There's no accounting for taste, okay? So nobody be offended. Yeah, don't be offended. Plus, what do you care what I think, honestly? Is there anything that you're afraid of? Sure. Uh, do we have to talk about them? <laughs> nope. Cool. Then let's... No, I mean... We can skip it. Well, what do you have, like, a, in music, in my life, or, like, just in general, like a physical I thing? I intentionally ask it as a sort of short and open-ended question because, you know, I really... The, the, the impetus is on you to discuss what, decide what you're comfortable talking I'm skating, about. I'm scared of skateboarding. Oh, you should be. Well, I like to skateboard, but I get scared pretty immediately when it gets too fast. Yeah, I, fa I fell really hard on a hill. All it takes is one little pebble. And my elbow still aches. It's been like six years. So. Oh, yeah, it'll always ache. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, cool, Travis. I'm, I'm just telling you that as someone who's like uh, several years older than you, I can tell you that it, it'll hurt forever. Oh, good. So be afraid of that skateboard. <laughs> yeah, I just cruise really slow now, flat ground. What uh, and the last question I'm going to ask you is, uh, what are you happy about? This. That's all right we needed here, to right hear. <laughs> Christina Vane, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, you guys.
try to find it while we hold it close. Rise, sun, rise. Rise, sun, rise. Sun, Talk about suffering here below and let's keep following Jesus. Talk about suffering here below and let's keep loving Jesus. The gospel train is coming and don't you want to go? about suffering here below and let's keep following Jesus. Talk about suffering here below and let's keep loving Jesus. Oh, can't you hear it, Father? And don't you want to go? Travis, huh? Thank you. I got can sing.
here on the happy hour. We'll see you again soon. This has been the Travis Book Happy Hour podcast. Thanks for listening. Huge thanks to Christina Vane, Mike Ashworth, Thompson Guitar, Americana Vibes, and the Bluegrass Situation. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a positive review. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Travis Book Happy Hour and online at thetravisbookhappyhour.com. And remember, It's okay to be happy.